Our text this morning is Luke 14, and we'll be reading in Luke 14, starting in verse 15. Uh, for now, I just want to uh, I'm just kind of pray. <laughs> it's been one of those mornings. Uh, it all started about 10.30 last night when I realized that uh, we had no Sunday school teachers. Uh, and so Wendy and I kind of piecemealed Sunday school today uh, for the five truly righteous people who went to Sunday school this morning. And uh, uh, that was a mean joke. But there's people out of town. People got called to work. There were emergencies. Literally all of our uh, Sunday school teachers, they were like all, they were dropping like flies. And uh, so it was kind of a throw, throw it all together hodgepodge this morning. Uh, and just having all this sort of different changes and things going on, I just need to pray and focus. So you guys know I have focus issues. Uh, so let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for a great week. Uh, Lord, it's truly uh, many wonderful people who have turned their hearts to you, uh, to serve you and glorify you, uh, that are part of this church family. And I just want to thank you for them. Thank you for the selflessness on display this week uh, to serve you and glorify you and everything. And Lord, uh, on a Sunday when things don't go as planned and things are out of my control and others' control and things happen, remind us today, God, that it's your power, it's your presence, it's your strength, it's your comfort, it's your word, it's your son that draws us together. And so we thank you uh, for, t for today. We thank you for this moment to study your word. And I pray, God, in the hurriedness of my mind and the things that were missing and the, all the components, Lord, that you would just call my mind, that I would share your word faithfully, uh, that you would speak above all through me and help us, God, to hear from you, to hear from your word and make connections to our life, to our hearts, to our minds, to our ways, that we would walk with you faithfully. Thank you for your encouragement, and your love, and your grace to us today. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I began uh, the series uh, with a quote from Meister Eckhart, who says that God is at home, and it's we who have gone off for a long walk. And the series has been a sort of very concerted effort on my part to kind of uh, keep in orderly fashion a sort of pastoral address of our hearts. That there is for each of us things that draw us away from God. And there's been a little alliteration along the way to kind of help us all along. And that is, is that there are things in our life that we sense there are things missing in each of our lives. And this sort of uh, sense of incompleteness, that we are unloved or unlovable, the sense that, there, that we aren't enough, that we don't have enough, that we miss these sort of comforts in our life. And so we go away from God in pursuit of things that we just think will bring us satisfaction, bring us control, bring us comfort. And so as we look back just for the last uh, five weeks, and I will just share that with you quickly, that I want to find control in my life. When things are out of control, uh, when, you know, when Sunday school teachers drop like flies at 1030 at night on, on Saturday night, and you think, well, everything was in order, and now it's not in order, 
we want control, and that's just such a trivial thing, but we have had moments in our life that are just way outside of the boundaries of our control. And what we end up doing is we pursue power. And so we spoke about the sort of power pursuits that we go through in our lives. And I, we, feel, we don't feel good about ourselves, and so we try to pursue moral perfection, that if we are just good enough, if we would continue to work at our moral imperfections, that we would find that we finally find value in ourselves. We've looked at our lives and we've said, you know, maybe I will find happiness, that we've been We've maybe not felt like we are all that happy in our lives or we feel like things are missing. And so we go on an experiential journey of trying to find life and value and hope and joy in the pleasures of the world. We also find ourselves wandering away from home, trying to find completeness in possessions, that this next possession would be the thing that would complete me and in my life. Or we find our self-value and productivity that the way that we value ourselves is in the work that we do and the things that uh, we try to produce. And so when we look back at the series and we look at the life that we have lived, maybe one of those messages or maybe all of those messages struck you in your heart that said, you know what, maybe I have wandered away from God thinking that I will find life in power, that I will find life in possessions, that I will find life in productivity, that I will find life in being perfect, that I will find life and and productivity, that I would find what I'm looking for in this. And what the story of the Bible, and particularly in in Luke's gospel, in the heart of the gospel, each of these is addressing this sort of um, false self, this sort of false thing that we pursue in our lives, and it's drawing us back to a life with God. It's all rooted in Luke 15, the sense of that we are being called home. And it's the story of the prodigal son that he, uh, he finally comes back to God and there is celebration in heaven, there is celebration with the Father that this one who has wandered away from home and away from God is finding life in God today. And so as we look kind of back, I want to uh, draw a connection to all of those messages today in Luke 14, starting in verse 15. And what I look at in all of the false peas, I see this, that we are trying to preserve our lives. We are interested in self-preservation. Productivity, possessions, pleasure, all of those peas are ways in which we try to preserve our life. How do I preserve my life? How do I have life eternal? How do I make sure my life is comfortable? How do I make sure that my name is remembered? How do I make sure that I leave an indelible impact in the community? How do I make a difference? How do I preserve my life? Jesus, he addresses our hearts, and he speaks truth to us, and he says something that we all need to hear. If we've wandered away from home, this is our way back. It's Luke 14, 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At that time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and to the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So as we look at the sort of preservation of our life, preserving our life becomes the primary interest of our lives. Maybe that you connect with that. Maybe that makes sense to you, that, that your life is about making sure that your legacy lives on, making sure that you have something to pass on to your kids. We make life all about our possessions, all about our power, all about making sure that people know that our lives matter. And so as we look at the parable of the great banquet, there's this invitation, and it's a story, and it says there is a great banquet happening, and God wants you to be a part of it. And this uh, man, he hosts this great banquet, and he says, all right, go out and invite people in. And what do we see but people who have attached to the false peas in their life? We look at the first one, and he says, well, hey, I just bought this field, and I need to go check it out. It's the false pea of possession. Do you see it? This man's bought the field. He's got to go make sure that, that it's all taken care of and it's exactly what he wanted. And he says, well, I can't go to the banquet right now because I have this thing that I need to take care of. We look at the guy who's maybe with a false P of productivity. He buys himself several oxen. He says, hey, I've got to go take care of all of these oxen. I've got to go put them to work. I've got to get out of them what I put in. We see the guy who's just gotten married, and he says, I have a wife to go take care of. I have to go and, uh, and seek pleasure and seek a life with her. We see the four or the three Ps sort of coming out in this story and this connection to self-preservation. We look at self-preservation as this way of which the first man who has uh, bought the field, he's going to preserve his life by passing on the legacy of his life, by passing his land on to his children. He's going to preserve his life through his possessions. He doesn't need the banquet. He has this to pursue with his life. We have the other guy. He's going to, uh, uh, with productivity in his work, that he would preserve his life by passing on the legacy of his work and productivity, that he would pass on his field and farm to his children. We have the guy who's pursued marriage, and he's going to preserve his life by passing on and creating children who will carry on his legacy and carry on his value. All of these things, you would talk to an American American, just regular old citizen, and you would say, are any of these things bad? He bought, he bought some land, he got some work, and he got married. He's got a lot of great things going for him, doesn't he? And we find ourselves in this sort of track that this is what life consists of. And Jesus warns us, and he says, life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And like we shared last week, it's not in the abundance of possessions, but in the blessing of others that we would pour our lives out. So these three men are pursuing the false peas. And Jesus then addresses the heart of this when we look at verse, well, let's look at verse 24. 
I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Who is it that gets a taste of the banquet? Who is it that we presume that goes in? It's there in verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the other, then the owner of the house became angry. And he said, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys in the town and bring it to the poor. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Who is it that goes into the banquet but those who are, have no ability to preserve their life? Who gets to go into the banquet are those who have nothing. I think that's the key to understanding verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule, ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether, whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he is not able, he will send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Is it fit? Not, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure power manure pile, good grief, it is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus teaches us that the best life is found when we lay down our life. It's not in the preservation of our life, but in the giving of our life where we find true life. And that statement is an oxymoron to us. It doesn't make sense that we find life by losing it. But the scriptures continually teach us this message that our lives are found, uh, we find life in the laying down of our life. And here Jesus is explaining to us that there's a great banquet in which we're all interested in being a part of, but there are people who are more interested in power and productivity and possessions and all of the things of the world that they make so many excuses that they never turn their hearts and their lives back to God. This sermon series has been about repentance. It's been about looking into our own lives, and it's not looking at the people around the room and pointing out their sins. It's looking within our own hearts and saying, how have I wandered away from God in my life? This is a pastoral thing that is for each and every one of us to look at our own hearts and our lives and say, you know what, there are areas in my life where I have tried to preserve my life by adding to it more possessions. That I would find security and comfort in surrounding myself with things that I would, 
I would insulate my life from the problems of the world. Right now I'm trying to buy a new vehicle with a third row with plenty of room for a growing son. My Dodge Caravan has uh, 191,202 miles on it right now. I'm on the edge where I'm thinking, okay, maybe I need a new vehicle. Then I go and look at the prices of the new vehicles and I think, we're just going to do with what we have, right? But that want and that desire to protect my family from difficult situations where you get stranded on the road, I think, I need to protect my family from this. I need to preserve my family's life. I need to make sure that we're safe. And my life becomes this endeavor to make sure that my family is as well as protected as I can possibly make them. And I make that my life's mission. Instead, wouldn't it be more faithful, and this is me just spitballing here, driving a 250,000-mile vehicle down the road and say, Jesus, take the wheel, guys. And that seems to be what Jesus is calling us to, is do we seek to preserve our life and protect our life and make sure we have all of life's comforts to make sure that there's nothing difficult that ever happens to ourselves, to our children, to our friends? In all of my pursuit of preserving my life, has my heart turned from God? Do I trust Jesus? That's the question of this series. Can I trust him? Can I trust him to be the one that's in control? Do I trust him to care for and meet my daily needs? Do I trust in Christ to be with me in the times where life is completely out of control. What is my relationship with God? Does that question resonate with you? Do the possession and productivity and perfection and all of those things that we sort of chase after, does this resonate with your heart and saying, you know what, Jordan's talking to me. I hope it's God talking to you. I think it's his spirit nudging us along and saying to us, Guys, there's something going on in our lives where we have been living our lives independent of God. The man who invited people into the great banquet, all of those people who are interested in preserving their lives and carrying on their legacy and carrying on with their day-to-day things and all of their life, they never heard the invitation. And here's the hard word. The hard word is, is that they never go into the banquet. They never taste what God is offering them because they're so busy with their lives that they never take time to live their life with God. But who is it that goes in? It's those who are in absolute poverty. Jumping ahead one chapter in the Bible, landing where we started, why does the prodigal son go back home? It's after he has lost everything, after famine strikes the land, does he realize that there is something that my father has for me. It's in the recognition of our poverty before God that we truly understand our need for God. And if we spend all of our lives thinking that I can manage my life and I can take care of all of these things, and God is just this little side project, this little side part of our lives, then we never really enter into a life with him, do we? 
But our life is truly found when we lay it down. When we understand just how much poverty we ourselves are in outside of Christ. That there's no amount of moral perfection that I can find. No amount of moral perfection that I can put on display for you to convince you that I'm good, good enough. To truly be good enough. That there's no amount of productivity that I could do to insulate my life. Maybe you were like me this week. I, I'm going to confess, I bought a one point. $3 billion lottery ticket. I had the money spent already. I lost, um, as did you. I, the lotto is a tax for people who are bad at math. And uh, I paid that this, uh, this week. I was like, you know, fingers crossed, maybe. But isn't that, I mean, and it was funny, just everybody's reaction. You know, we all lost, except for one person. And I hope they're a Christian and they bless the socks off of everybody. But we look for this sort of way out. We look for this shortcut. We look for this thing that will provide for us and insulate us and provide us the comfort. And we are willing to take our chances on a 1 in 302 million opportunity that we might be able to get what we really want. When there is a gift for every single one of us and there is an invitation to every single one of us that there is a life to be found in which you find Everything you need. And it's this invitation from God to say, come home. Stop trying to preserve your life and protect your life and find all of these things in the world and come home to God. Come home to Him in your poverty. Come home to Him in your brokenness. Come home to Him with a contrite heart that knows that the only way forward is a life with God. And let him work on all of these things that are at work in us. The insecurities, the brokenness, all of these things that we try to fill our lives with and realize that God wants to know those things. God, I feel unlovable. God, I am not perfect. God, I am broken. God, I am poor. God, I do not have what I need outside of you. Those are the steps back to a life with God. And a life home with him. And so as I look and kind of put things together, I just want to recap for us what I think works for me in application. It's not about power. It's in humility. It's in humility knowing that I need God to be the one in control. I need to read Colossians 1. And realize that it's Jesus who holds all things together. I need to read Philippians 2 and know that it is Christ, by his example of laying down his life, he shows us the way to true life. I am not, I pursue perfection, but I will not be perfect. But I am saved by God's grace. I have his righteousness from Christ. It's not a righteousness of my own. It is the righteousness of Christ in which I come before God. I am not perfect, nor will I ever be perfect. And it's a pursuit that we just simply can't live up to. But there is grace in Christ, and we find that God pours out his grace for us in Christ laying down his life. 
he shows us how we enter into the banquet, and it's laying our lives down. Life is not in production, but in prayer. I shared with us the last couple of weeks of how we ought to be praying in our lives, praying the Lord's Prayer, praying Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd and we have all we need in him. Life is not found in possessions, but in the generosity of our life. We lay down our lives by pouring out God's blessings to us. We give it to others. And life is not found in self-preservation. Life is found in self-denial. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about him. And it's about glorifying him in all that we do. And we do that, I think, by looking back at each of those things and saying, it's in humility that I deny myself. It's in humility that uh, it's in humility that I deny myself. It's in grace that I realize all that Christ has given me. It's in prayer where I realize my dependence on God. It's in generosity where I pour out blessings. Self-denial is the way we enter into the banquet of heaven. And so, closing out this series, I want to make a pastoral prayer. I hope that I have explained decently well enough, uh, but more so I pray that the Spirit of God right now is convicting you of saying, you know what, I've made my life about preserving my life, and I want to lay my life down today. I want to give my life to Jesus again. I would like to pray a prayer of repentance on all of our behalf, but the way that works is for you be guided in that prayer, to be encouraged in that prayer through the Spirit of Christ, to search your heart, for him to know your anxious ways and the ways that you've wandered from God. And I just invite you to quietly pray with me now. I'll gently prompt you and encourage you, but would you pray with me together? And for some, you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you love him, and you just need the reminder and the, maybe a little bit of a kick in the butt to say, you know what, I've gone I've gone the way that I shouldn't. But others, you've never made the decision to follow Christ. You've never accepted his grace and love for you. You've never bowed your hearts in, to him and given him the leadership of your life. And maybe that needs to happen today. But I think for every single one of us, there are ways in which we've wandered from home. Let's head home to God. Let's pray. God, we, we come before you thanking you for your spirit. Each of us individually now, we invite your spirit to search our hearts. Help us to know now where our possessions have choked out our trust in you. What do we need to turn from? God, help us 
Help us to see how we've tried to display moral perfection. It's only made us self-righteous, difficult to get along with, judgmental of others. Search our hearts and our ways. Remind us of your grace. Search our hearts, God, for the ways we've pursued power, control, manipulation, how we've built up our egos, how we've tried to preserve our life by protecting our life. What do we need to turn over to you, lay before you? God, how have we been busy with productivity, finding our identity and worth and work, things we do, things we say, all that we try to achieve. Please, God, turn our hearts to you. God, we've sought to preserve our life. Teach us today of your grace, your humility, your love, your forgiveness, that today we would find life in you. We turn our hearts to you. We love you. Thank you for loving us, reconciling us back to you. We lift up prayers and praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, uh, I need, Wendy's going to run down and get the kids. We're going to watch a video in a moment. I was going to give you a few prayer updates. Uh, one, Diane Walter, she uh, was having AFib yesterday, and they took her to the Plymouth Hospital. Uh, so we need to be in continued uh, prayer for them. Uh, we also... Uh, would need to continue uh, to pray for pray for Diane. Pray also for uh, Lonnie Hefner. He's in the hospital right now. He's been battling uh, cancer, and so we just uh, need to lift uh, him before God and and uh, just praying for Jason and Eric and their family. And uh, we love we love you guys so much. And praying for him and for your dad. Uh, praying for um, Caitlin Long. She was uh, taken. Uh, to the hospital the other day. She was having gallbladder issues, and she, uh, I think, is getting out of the hospital today. They removed a stone for her. We want to continue to pray for Brian Fox and just praying for uh, him as they continue to treat his cancer, and so uh, we want to lift him uh, before God and encouragement there. Uh, the Larry Gokenhauer family, Larry passed away last week, and the, the funeral will be this Friday. It's just a memorial graveside thing happening at 11.05 on August 5. I think that was alliteration so we would remember. Um, so it's Friday at uh, the 5th at 11.05 at the Etna Green Cemetery. So if we'd be in prayer for uh, Larry's family, family, for Kirk and for Tana, uh, for all the kids 
And so there are others and lots of needs within our, um, within our church family. A lot going on. I'm so appreciative again of our uh, great week of EBS. And so let's pray for those things. And then we're going to do, you guys can come in. Come on in. This will be our closing prayer. There will be a video and then we'll be dismissed. All right. We're going to pray and we'll be on our, we'll watch the video. You guys find your family. Sit with your families. All right. Thank you, Tim, Megan. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we lift up prayer concerns for our church family, uh, those that are sick and dealing with um, just some very difficult illnesses. We pray for Diane, and uh, we pray for so many others, God, that you would be with them and draw near, the, near to them. Thank you for a wonderful week in which we saw your love on display every day. Help us to see that this week and go out and serve and love and be encouraged. Lord, draw near to our church family. Lord, we need you. We need your comfort and your love and your grace. Let us walk with you, trusting in you, knowing you love us and care for us. Lord, remind us today that life is not in preserving our life, but in you preserving it, you caring for us, and the gift of eternal life that we have in your son, Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for true 